0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontes, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. The content of a great sermon, the content of, of theology, the content of the gospel can be found on YouTube. It can be found anywhere out there. And as a result, some people say, I can get the content of the gospel at home or wherever I'm at, as long as I got Wi-Fi. As long as I'm connected. But there's a problem with that. They got all the content, but the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. And why is that? Because relationship happens only in person. And if we're not there for one another, if we're not connecting with one another, if we're not praying for one another, if we're not touching one another, then all of a sudden, something's missing. It comes up short. It might as well just be AI, artificial intelligence. Might as well be robots. But we're made up as a trichotomy, not a dichotomy. We're body, soul, and spirit. So, church, do you see the importance of coming to church? And I'm talking the ones who are here, right? But how important it is for the church to reach out to one another. Well, we're in week three of a series called Collide, and and clearly, since the beginning of the garden, we saw two worlds colliding with each other. One world, that says we value lying, cheating, selfishness, lust, violence, murder, hatred, greed, and etc. And another world that says the kingdom of God, that values honor, integrity, honesty, purity, humbleness, serving others, love, selflessness, and truth. Truth is in short supply in our world today. The word of God gives us all the truth we need to live a full life in Christ. We should keep these truths and consider them wisdom and consider instruction and and the insight for our lives. No matter what we do, we cannot lose truth. And that's going to be what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, it's time that one time a month where we gather together and celebrate communion together so if you have it would you pull that out and i'm going to read to us no i'm not looking at my text messages grabbing my bible luke chapter 22 verse 7 and it reads now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the passover lamb is sacrificed And Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. And he replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a jar or pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at the house he enters and say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have, very e- I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you that I won't eat this meal again until it, its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again till the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body. Which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. That's you, that's me, that's the disciples. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice. Wow, for you. It was the last meal that Jesus would have with His disciples before He would go and he'd be illegally prosecuted, falsely accused of things He never did, things He never said. People who were paid to lie about Him. And yet He never said a word. He never defended Himself. Because he knew what his mission was. To die a sinner's death for me, for you. Will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes? Would you just take a minute between you and the Lord? And If there's something that's not right, would you say, Lord, forgive me? Would you just spend time, take inventory of the promises you've made to God. How are you doing with them? How about the promises of God? Are you still holding on to them? Well, it was at that last meal. Jesus took the unleavened bread and he told them that this represents his body that would be broken for them. And they all took it together. Will you take it with me? At the end of the meal, Jesus took another cup The fruit of the vine and he said this represents my blood that would be shed i mean the twelve disciples really had no idea what he was talking about what do you mean your blood that's going to be shed but these were covenant words just like god had made covenant with abraham now god was making covenant with us and they took it together will you take it with me Father, we thank you for the work of the cross and all the suffering you went through. But Lord, you also came that there might be joy and happiness and love and grace and mercy. I pray this over your people. Bring peace to their heart. Bring them hope. That because of the cross, there can be abundant life. A newness of life. That we can be set free. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your bulletin, a couple of things I want to make note of real quick. If you, as you open up, um, <clears throat> Thursday is our national day of prayer here in the States, and uh, I want to make you aware of that. And um, As it reads here, at New Hope Community Church at six thirty, Pastor uh, Frank Knowlton. There at three thirty, uh, South Fairmont. Uh, there will be a time of gathering for prayer. Just want to make you aware of that. This Saturday, um, bring your grubbies, your dirty tennis shoes and whatnot, and we're going to have an all-day church workday and um, all sorts of stuff that needs to be done. So, if you're interested in that, would you please um, on your prayer, on your tear off. Could you let us know and then make sure you put it in the white container here or in the white container back there. And we'll be able to plan on you guys coming for that. And uh, last one I want to make you aware of is Friday on May 14th, uh, we'll be able to go and do the Salvation Army and be serving again. I think we'll be doing about 200, 250 meals again uh, for those who are in need. And so uh, if you're available for that, again, can you fill out the tear off? Let us know so we can make sure we have a head count of how many people are going to be there to make that happen. We're excited about that. Well, let's get ready for the word and let's watch this quick little clip as we get ready to get started on the on the sermon. So today we're in week three of our series called Collide. Now we've talked about it. There are two different kingdoms who are always in opposite ends of each other. And yet when they meet each other, there's always going to be a collision. You saw that with Cain and Abel, one was selfish and wanted everything to be about him and him alone. Cain and Abel, right? And all of a sudden, boy, was there a collision. It resulted in... In the murder, the first recorded murder of humanity. And so in week one, we laid the foundation for standing firm on the Word of God. And last week we talked about the first thing God desires out of our lives is we initially need to learn how to stand firm in our faith amidst all of this conflicting, colliding worlds. And then God says, We must be renewed. And transformed. In the Greek, the word is metamorpho. Transformed. Have you ever seen a caterpillar and look at a butterfly and say, how does that work? That's a metamorpho. It's a transformation from something prickly and ugly to something magnificent and beautiful. And today we're going to take Another step further, because after God begins to transform us, especially within our minds and our our body, soul, and spirit, we have to choose to pursue the source of truth so that we can ultimately live out truth. The Word, the Bible, the truth of God. It is so powerful and so effective. Let me share a little story with you. One day, a shoemaker in Michoud in a very religious area, Muslim, in northeastern Iran. He brought home from his lunch, bought some, some cheese for his lunch, and there were the butcher we had the meat and the cheese. He literally had a big Bible and would rip out pages of the Bible and take the cheese and wrap it in the pages of the Bible and then sell it to the customer. So this individual bought the cheese, went home, was having his little lunch, and then while he was chewing on the cheese, he grabbed the paper. And he started reading. And as he was reading, he started reading this story about this vineyard and how he hired some people who worked 12 hours and somebody only worked one hour. And they got all paid the same. And then he didn't have any more paper. So he didn't know how it ended. So he decided to go back. And he bought some more cheese. And he says, can you wrap it up in that same kind of paper? And of course, he started getting more interested. This time, he went and got his brother. And his brother and him went and said, we want to buy the rest of that book. They bought the rest of the book of the New Testament. It was only the New Testament. Then they went because there was a local missionary and there they went to the missionary and they got saved and they were water baptized. And think about it. How did they get saved? It was the power of the truth of God's Word. It stirred something inside of them. I'm not just some pastor saying the Word of God is powerful and effective. I'm telling you, that's all they had. It was being used as packaging wrap? Something you would throw away? And these men read it and knew something was true and magnificent about it. And they got saved. In Iran? Northeastern Iran? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 15, or follow along there on the screens. It says, now now Paul is the author of the book of Romans, where we get the justification of faith, the teaching of that. But he says here, now, now catch what he says. I think he sounds like me. Maybe you'll say he sounds like you. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Am I the only one in the room going to raise their hand on that one? You catch what I'm saying? He really gets it. Here, the guy who wrote a little more than half of the New Testament, and, and he's, he's speaking specifically about sin. But I wonder how many of us, Take this same principle and apply it to our time. Spending our time with the Lord. So that we don't get stuck having to say, verse 15. May God give us a hunger for the Word. we got to have a hunger for the Word. To be in His presence every day. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23. Here, King Solomon, who wrote most of the book of Proverbs, um, he's telling us something incredible about this word, of this thing called truth. He emphasizes it so much so. Let's read there in verse 23, again, of chapter 23. It says, buy the truth and do not sell it. All wisdom and instruction and understanding. See, we have already said that truth comes from the word of God. But once we have it, have you ever thought, how do we keep it? The first step, according to what, what Solomon's saying is, buy the truth and don't sell it. Don't sell out. Don't sell out. I don't think Solomon's talking about grabbing the Bible and going out on the street corner and saying, you know, strawberries, peaches, oranges, Bibles. He's not talking about selling a book. He's talking about selling out the core values of the Word of God, the truth. Those things that they are so real and yet it seems like you can't touch them. Have you ever seen love? Can you touch it? You want to tell me it's not real? Isn't that interesting? But it's real. It's truth. You see, it's one thing to receive the Word of God. It's another thing to actually keep it and and make the Word of God a priority in your life. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. Now think about that story of some guy named Peter, the rock, right? I like to call him Rocky. Now, there he is out in the middle of a storm with all the guys. Jesus has decided to, you know, stay back, take care of business with everybody else. And they're about three, three and a half miles out. And Jesus is on the water and he's just walking like it's concrete. And they look over and they say, there's a ghost. I don't know about you, but in the middle of the night, I think I would yell out that's a ghost too because that doesn't make sense. How many people do you see walking on water? Have you ever tried to run as fast as you can into the swimming pool and see how many steps you can take? We don't walk on water unless you're Jesus. Peter raises his sand and says, Jesus, can I play? I want to do it too. The other 11, oh, we all think, we forget about them. They didn't didn't do anything. They were just spectators. And he says, come out. And as the wind was blowing, as the waves were going, there's Peter, and he's got his eyes right on Jesus. And he's doing great, and he's walking. Woo, the water feels good. He's walking. And then all of a sudden, he heard that... And then a big wave came up. And before you know it, he started looking this way. Then he started looking that way. You all know the story. What happens next? Blah, 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 blah. And then he does like I would do. Screams like a girl. And Jesus rescues him, grabs him. Gets him to the boat. And what did Jesus say? Ye of little faith, why did you Doubt. Why'd you doubt? You see, that's what happens with truth. Somehow you find Jesus, you find truth, you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're doing great, and then all of a sudden, you look at the problems of life over here, and you look at the problems of relationships over here, and you got no money over there, and you got nothing going right at the job, and everywhere you keep looking, you keep looking, and you're wondering why you're going down. Child of God! What did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You were doing good. The storm proves how great God is. Because you're still walking in the midst of a tempest. Unfortunately, too many Christians are like Peter. We take our eyes off the Lord. It's easy to sell ourselves short by selling what we hold onto as truth. and We sell it. Even though the Holy Scriptures tell us, hold on to it. Get truth and hold on to it. But we get stressed out. Before we know it, we're doing something to try to help with the, the Stress. Give me something. Let me take some pills. Let me take this. Let me do this. Let me do... ah! What you need is truth. What you need are the promises of God. They'll never fail you. Why am I making life all about me? How come I'm not making about Him? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be what? added unto you but when I start doubting who I'm making life all about number one me me myself and I the new holy trinity well maybe not holy is the direction of the world gaining an advantage because we assume that it will offer a satisfaction that we can see and feel even if it's temporary because we're so desperate in the moment. Jesus had an external dialogue with this woman in Samaria and about this struggle in life when things aren't going the way you know you want things to go. So if you turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 7 through 15, and I really wanted to put the whole thing in there, but it's like, the whole chapter, and it was just too much to cover. So I'll make reference to it after, uh, after we get through with verse 15. Well, let's start at verse 7. It says, soon a Samaritan woman. we got to stop right there. Samaritan. That would mean she's a half-breed. She's not fully Jewish. She's half-Gentile. She's half-Jewish. So the full-Jew people are like, hmm. Yeah. They don't like you. Right? You think racism is new? It's been around a long time, folks. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone. That's incredibly important. Why? Because one, he's a full Jew and she's a Samaritan. They don't really interact socially. Number two, she's a woman and he's like a man of God. He shouldn't be talking to a woman. Right, But well, watch what Jesus does. He was alone at that time because the disciples had gone in the village to buy some food. They went to Del Taco. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Interesting. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew. Can, can you just imagine? Wait a minute. You're a Jew. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? What part of this are you not getting? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You stay on that side. I stay on this side. Otherwise, we collide. Oh, and by the way, I'm a woman and you're a man. We don't mix. Why are you talking to me? Verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Woo! Talk about switching the narrative of the conversation. And who you are speaking to, you would ask me. And I would give you living water. But sir. I mean, she's just a little snooty. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. But sir. Sir. You don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Do you see the little sarcasm in this? And besides, do you think you're greater than our check that out. Then what was the next word? Our? Wait a minute. She's saying you're I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. Wait a minute. How come you're using our? Isn't that interesting? Our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir. The woman said, give me this water. Now you got to understand something. In the, in the previous verses before 7, about verse 4, it says this, that it was about noon time that the Samaritan woman was coming to the well to get her water. Why is that significant? Because to our culture, we don't care. You want water, you go to the kitchen sink and you get your water. But in this culture, every woman would go with their children. They would go gather water early in the morning while it's still cool. And because it was very labor intensive. And then they would make their way back to the village. In this case, she came when nobody would be present at Jacob's well. Why? She was avoiding everybody there in the village. Why is she avoiding them? She's avoiding them because of this. Jesus later asked the question about her husband. She says, I have no husband. He says, you have spoken truthfully because you have had five and the man you're with now is number six and he's not even your husband. She goes, I presume that you're a prophet. Good call. Why? Because she is socially unacceptable. Why? Because she's a Samaritan. Why? Because she's a woman. And she's coming at this time of day. And yet, all of a sudden, something happens next. He speaks to her about her personal life. Truth. And it's so ministered to her, the scriptures say that she turned and ran home into the village and told everybody. You mean the same people she was avoiding? She's going up to all these women and saying, let me tell you, there's this guy, his name's Jesus, he's over here. He told me about everything about my life. My, all, my five men, you know. And how. We don't know if she was a widow. We don't know if she just divorced them. We don't know. But she is so moved by the encounter. She's telling everybody, look what happened to me. You gotta come, come, come. He's offering this water and we'll never have to do this water thing ever again. Just come, come, come. See, when you encounter truth, you can't be quiet. you got to go tell somebody. When you get something good, you want to go share it. What's happened to the body of Christ? We've got something good. How come we're not sharing it? How come we're not like the woman? Clearly she's living in sin. And she got the gig. Nobody had to tell her. Go tell somebody. Tell some family member. Tell some friend. Tell somebody about Jesus. Wow. Jesus offered this woman the true source of life, one that would truly satisfy her completely so before this interaction she was in the middle of these two worlds the world of the Samaritan the world of a sinner who seemed judged by anybody and everyone do you know when you're really a Christian you're not a judge you don't you just don't judge people why because you operate with grace and mercy like God I don't know if you know, but we use invisible ink on the front, on the doors there. And it says, no perfect people allowed. So if you think you're a Christian and you're all that and you got it all together, you can leave now because you're perfect and we're not. God will clean me up, He'll clean you up too. But we don't need to be judging one another. We need to be loving one another. Let's look at another point, going back to the original text there from Romans, that that Paul's telling us that we're to go and, and to share it. We're to share the gospel. We're to share the truth. That woman went back to tell everybody, Even the people who were talking bad about her. Wow. That's the joy of the Lord. Do you know God gave you that same assignment as me? Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. And it says Jesus came and told his disciples, Are you a disciple? All right, then he's talking to me, he's talking to you. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? I died on the cross, I'm alive again, and now I got that, the keys of both heaven and hell. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Whoa. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This passage is often called the Great Commission. And Jesus commands his disciples to go and spread the word of God. If these 11 plus the new one, which would have made 12, because obviously Judas hung himself, if they didn't obey this great commission, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. This many thousands of years later. And I'm telling you, if the body of Christ doesn't go and tell the next generation so that they can tell the next generation it's not going to drop on my on my watch I'm going to do my part how about you how about you oh it's the pastor's responsibility that's not what that says it doesn't say the pastor only and the elder board does that say that disciple are you a disciple do you believe in Jesus Christ Are you a follower of Him? Then that's us. And sharing Christ with others, it strengthens your own faith. As well as in many ways will affect so many other people who you might not even know. They might actually be strangers to you. Or your story might impact somebody's story, which would impact a stranger you would never, ever meet. You know, sharing the truth of those that, that God divinely, I call them DAs, divine appointments, where you begin to share the gospel, you begin to share the truth with people. You have no idea who... Ministering to this one person how I might minister to that person who might minister to that person to that person. And yet, it might take an eternity to hear all the stories and all the connections of how God used you to make that happen. Guys, if praying for lost souls and sharing the gospel doesn't doesn't impact you. You need to ask why. Because I know what happened when I met the Lord. I know what happened on the inside of me. I was scared, confused, didn't know which way to go. I just talked to my brother this last week and I was ministering to him on the phone. And he says, Marv, he says... He says, you know, I'm so glad you found the Lord. He says, in my mind, there is no doubt in my mind, you, you were headed for trouble. It was just the nature of who you were. You could have got caught up with the wrong people. Before you long, you would have been exposed to this, you would have been exposed to that. But it was because of Christ. You're not in jail. And I'm looking at him and I go, come on, big brother, don't be like that. And then I realized it was the Lord showing me that like with so many of my cousins, that would have been my story. My teenage years, it was like we had two, two twin beds, one for my brother, one for me. My brother moved out. He's seven years older than I. And so those next years of me being a sixth grader until I, I got married, it was like a revolving bed. I would have this relative, that relative, this one who's an alcohol, the next one who's a heroin addict. It was just one thing after another in my bedroom. You understand how much was right next to me? And somehow God kept me from that. And I give God the glory. We need to share the gospel and the truth with people. Sharing the gospel, the truth, is not just a job. It's a privilege. We're called to give the gospel away, to share the gospel freely. And what a joy it is to share with others what God has done in your life. Each of us has a story. You have a personal story that comes from three parts. This is me before Christ. This is me when I encountered Christ. And this is me now that I am in Christ. That's your story. You know what's great about it? Nobody can give you apologetic questions. They can't challenge your story. Why? Because that was you before you met Christ. They can't say, no, that's not true. Let's talk about eschatology. No, 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 no. That's how I was. And then this is how I encountered Christ. And this is how I am today. You have that story. And your story is unique, Chrissy, compared to Patsy's, which is different than Brenda's, which is different than Nathan's, which is different than Sherry's, and Mike's, and Jack's, and Bill's. Everybody has a unique story that God has divinely allowed in your life, that God could use your story... To minister to somebody else and say, I connect with that guy. I connect with that gal. Because they may not connect with me. But how about you? You know what's great about it? Because we're all connected to the cross. To Jesus. Today, maybe you're in a place where you're tempted to sell yourself short. How? By following those worldly temptations rather than the eternal truth in the Word of God. Maybe you feel like you have an internal wrestling match going on on the inside of you. The kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light colliding within you and you feel that you need to make a choice. So make a choice. Make a choice and choose life Choose the kingdom of God. And for those of you who have received the word and you've and we've talked and you've talked about it, you've seen it. My question is when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you just had a God talk with somebody? When was the last time you personally brought somebody to Jesus? See, we get safe in this four walls deal. And we can talk to anybody about Christ as long as they're in this building or from this building. But how about talking to somebody outside this building? I talked to this player on my team. He was struggling batting. I mean, he went through like almost a whole bucket of balls on the, in the batting cage machine and literally hit nothing. Nothing. I would have been better off throwing my ball at his bat. I think I would have hit it. Because he couldn't hit. But he was doing this. Squirrel. Squirrel. Whoa. Whoa. What is that down there? So I, I got out from the, the back back of the cage and I said, come here. I said, I want to tell you something about me. I said, I actually have ADD. He looked at me. I said, I didn't know until I was in my 40s. One of my best friends is a doctor. He and his wife both are. He told me I needed to come to his office. He gave me a physical, and he he did everything. He says, you have this, 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 and this, and this is how I know you have it. I was shocked. He says, let's try this medicine. I hated the medicine. He goes, I don't know how you can preach a sermon and go from point A, point B, all the way to Z. He goes, I love your sermons. He goes, but I don't know how you do it. Not without medicine. And I give God all the glory. If you get something out of it today, great. I'm getting it. I don't know about you, but I am. So I tell this boy, I said, you notice how you're so distracted here and there and all that. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Coach, I got ADHD." I said, "I know." I said, "Here's what I want you to do." And I just walked him through it. Got him in the back in the box, and he hit that ball one right after the other. And then he went squirrel. And I said, "Hey, hey, hey." Focus on this right here. Focus on this rock. And he did. And he started hitting it again. I can't wait till his next game this week. See what happens. You see, I was sharing something truthful about me, and it blessed him. The next day, mama came. I was getting my gear out of my truck. She came. And then I just started sharing a little bit about my faith, and that I was a pastor. And she was weeping and saying, thank you for sharing what you shared to my son. Because you have no idea. Do you see how your story can help somebody else? I don't want to have ADD. I don't tell anybody I have ADD. But my story helped a little boy. And you have a story that you may not like. But your story could be used to help somebody else. And you know what it means if they're just like you. Use your story. People are hurting. They need your hope. It says in Acts 20, verse 35, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Give your story out, folks. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Oh, Father, we need you. We all have a story. We all have things that we're not proud of and we hurt over. Things that were done to us but because of you you can set us free from the bondage and the chains you can use us even in our brokenness to be able to bless somebody else that there could be victory you could set the captive free if you're here today and you're going Jesus I've received you you're you're my king I haven't been sharing the gospel. I, I haven't been sharing my story. I haven't been giving you praise and glory for the victory like over my ADD. i got to tell somebody. Give you the praise. Give you the glory. So, Father, would you reach out to somebody here? If somebody feels that conviction, that they've been hiding their story, they haven't been sharing the gospel, and you need to change that? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you look up and say, I want to share my story. I want to change. Praise God. Praise God. Use me, God. Use me, God. Use me. Maybe you're here and maybe, maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never said, this is how I am before. And you know what? I've never had that encounter with God. So how can I be in Christ? If you want to ask Jesus Christ to become your Lord and your Savior today, that He would write your name, the Lamb's book of life, that you would have everlasting life in heaven with God. With all the family of God, forever and ever. If that's you, would you I just want to pray with you and I don't embarrass you, even if you've been away from the Lord and you want to come back. If that's you, would you look up at me? I just want to pray for you? Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Yes church will you say this out loud with me everybody say dear jesus come into my life write my name on the lamb's book of life make me a christian be the lord of my life be the savior of my soul thank you jesus for dying for my sins and raising from the dead i love you lord I receive you in Jesus' holy name. And Lord, I pray a blessing on your people. I pray, Father, you would just fill them with your passion, with your Holy Spirit. You would guide them each and every step. May we grow more and more in passion in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.